With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. The driver's seat. Stevie Johnson's going to fight him all the way up to the line. Who'll get there first? Kelly, I reckon no Johnson, Johnson got it. <laughs> Three laps to go. It's Redemption Day for Daniel Ricciardo. He wins the Monaco Grand Prix. The Drivers' Seat with Matt McKeldin and Stephen Johnson. For Kubota, together we are building Australia. This is the Driver's Seat catch-up across Australia. Thanks to our mates at Kubota, together we are building Australia. My name is Nibs, so it's fantastic to have your company. And remember, you can rev up your smartphone with the Driver's Seat app. It's available in the App Store. And you can listen to Matt and Steve live every Wednesday night from 7pm to 9pm Eastern Standard Time as the lads cover everything that happens in the BP Supercars All-Star E-Series as it happens as well. Fair bit of news in the week before Round 3 at the Virtual Bathurst. Uh, Obviously, one of the big news stories of the week is Virgin Australia going into voluntary administration. Where does this leave supercars? It's a hard one, Jace, because the deal that Virgin has with supercars is essentially a contra deal. It's not something... And for those who don't know what contra is, they just give them product in return. They give them flights. Yeah. They give them flights and then they give the team owners uh, access to like a, a, a secret VIP club, yep. uh, the Batcave. And um, so, you know, realistically, it's flights. And if... As but we, that's a huge cost. Oh, like. 100%. Yeah. I'm, I'm not denigrating. I'm saying that yeah. it's, a, it's a big cost, but it's not actual physical folding money mm. that they have to pay into the account. Now, if, if Virgin, as we all hope, gets rescued and, and reinvestment happens and they get flying again, um, then our teams and, and that sponsorship should stay in place. Um, let's hope that that happens for not only the Virgin staff and, and all of the support staff and all that kind of stuff, but for our uh, for our championship because they're a great partner. They bring a lot to the, to the table and um, uh, I hope that continues. Rightio. Are we coming towards the last corner, are we? Yep. In this race, we the are. first race tonight. Who's in the lead? SVG Shane Van Gisbergen takes the lead and uh, and the win uh, from uh, from Brody Kostecki and Anton Di Pasquale. Di Pasquale. Di Pasquale. Yeah, Anton Di Pasquale. So that was um, you know we said right at the start of all this, boys, that SVG and and Di Pasquale were going to be very good, and we know that Brody Kostecki has has essentially done the setups for all these cars as well, uh, and the cream has risen. You know, yeah. we've seen this. We've seen this in the last couple of rounds that SVG really is very good. He's over in New Zealand at the moment, and now that he's uh, got his sim and he's got all of his toys, he's uh, he's coming to the fore. Bit of a disappointment for Scotty Mack there. Yeah, well, he was just behind that group in P4, but uh, I'd assume that he got a penalty for that touch with Will Power into the chase on the first lap, which put Power uh, out on the grass, um, and he got a drive-through penalty on that second last to last. 
Make sure you get the app if you can't get near a radio to hear the lads live every Wednesday night covering the E-Series as it happens. You can even join in the conversation as well. Before we go to a break, let's get our race rewind. This is the driver's seat race rewind. Ah, beautiful Peter Williamson. That was a quick lap. I hope you enjoyed that ride around Mount Panorama. There are more of them coming. Back into Peter Williamson's uh, corner. How are things going, Peter? Incredible that. What about the sound of the car? Was that a Tirana? It, it was a no. It was a Toyota Celica uh, oh. at full noise. That thing was probably a two-liter four-cylinder Stevie J at absolutely revving its head off. And you can see now when you look at what we've got in today's coverage with Crompton and all that sort of guys. And and you know, Steve, when you were driving too. Um, the quality of the audio, the quality of the vision, all that kind of stuff has just come leaps and bounds. It's it's huge, isn't it? I mean, that that was groundbreaking stuff That with Peter Williamson and that car and that camera. That camera is 10 times bigger than what you see in a studio now. Yeah, it was huge. It was massive <laughs> compared yeah, to yeah. you see the little like – the, the cameras these days are, Bullet cams. Are, are like the matchbox size. You know, yeah. they're tiny and with the – with the, I guess, the screen resolution and what they put out is amazing. So um, back then in the day, I think Dad was telling me, uh, not long ago actually was speaking about this, it was like, I think it was something like 28 or 30 kilos of camera stuff in the car just wow. to be able to do that. And they had, and the batteries weren't lasting, you know. Was, uh, they just didn't last back in the day. Uh, these days now, uh, the, like the cameras you put in the, the supercars or your cameras that, you, that I carried at Adelaide, for instance, in yep. the TCM car, uh, 2.8 kilos, the whole thing, everything, cables, um, transformers, batteries, everything. And I think in the supercars they're actually hardwired into the ignition of the car as well. I was Correct. just saying to the cigarette light. Yeah, yeah, yeah just into the 12-volt in the <laughs> yeah. dash. But you can see, when you look at a supercar, and you can even see it on, on the uh, e-racing stuff here, that, that um, it's like a donut. It's like a little donut at the front or a little bulge on the top of the roof. And that's got a camera a camera that will actually rotate around so it'll pan left and right and back and it'll pick just up action behind it. Just above the windscreen for everybody out there. Screen, yeah. So it, the, the, the technology is sensational. But I think from a motorsport perspective, what we're probably most massive. proud of, massive accident Ooh. going through the chase. Wind Cup. The Wind Cup again. Gary Jacobson involved in the yellow cover car. That's not Whoa. what you want to see. Cars are going everywhere. Um it, it was a technology that was developed in Australia, and then, of course, we now see in Formula One, IndyCar, NASCAR, uh, the latest generations, that sort of stuff. So we should be very proud of that. Stevie, uh, did you always have a camera on board with you when you are driving the V8s? Not always, and, and there's not cameras in every car right. on the track. There's the little bulge that Manny was talking about and things on the roof, so anything yeah. external so that there's no... Uh, I guess, deficiency in aero and this and that. So even if you're not carrying a camera, you must 
have these. Uh, they're, they're the camera protectors on the roof of their yeah, car. Yeah, and, so, and they're for judicial. So that, they are. So that you know, whenever you have an issue with a two with, a, with two racing drivers, drag them into a room and say who was yeah, at fault. They're fault. both going to point at each other. Yeah. If you've got camera vision there, um, it's just it's you, you can't argue it. So, uh, but yeah, not every driver necessarily has an in-car camera hardwired through helmets to speak to drive to speak to the comms team and and all that kind of stuff. How'd but, your old man go with the language barrier uh, with a camera in the car? How do you? <laughs> How do, you, how do you get through that? All I right? think he behaved himself pretty well. He yeah. uh, he was pretty good at telling some jokes and <laughs> and he was very relaxed at it. He was one of the guys that was very, very good at talking constantly throughout the lap. Like we're looking now at Bathurst in probably the hardest part of the track over the top of the hill, Reed Park, McPhillamy, Reed Park, etc. Um, and Dad could talk all the way through there and his lap times would differ by 0.2 to 0.3 of a second at best. Incredible. That's that's not 0.2 seconds. It's, it's like yeah, 0.2 of a second. Yeah, yeah. Uh, two tenths of a second. Whereas some guys these days, um, you know, you talk to them, you talk to them in one little section of the track and like they've lost six, seven, eight tenths of a second. So it, it's a very fine art to be able to talk and drive and do all that stuff without losing any time on track. And I think more than just the audio stuff, Jace, what we were able to see for the first time is the actual goings-on inside a race car. Yeah. So you could see the likes of Peter Brock and John Bow and Dick Johnson, those guys, actually at work doing their craft. That there's a, a very a famous... thing, which Yeah, and there's, see, there's yeah. some really famous footage of of Peter Brock talking uh, around a lap around, a bath, around Bathurst. And I don't think people knew up until that point that Pete used to actually drive with his left hand on the steering wheel and his right arm on the armrest. So he would use the side of the car, he'd use the door up along the window line to brace himself going through a corner. So it looked like for all intensive purposes, he was driving the car, one hand on the left and then one arm on the door seal. Like a Sunday drive. Like, a, yeah. like down Ligon Street on a Saturday night at 9 o'clock. Yeah, yeah. Exactly like that. Jace, and, I, and I don't think people knew that. So, Jace, you'll like this one. When Dad and John French won Bathurst in 1981 in the Blue XD Falcon, John French used to – and because in those days – the dash, the rear seat, the parcel shelf, the center console was all standard, right? Um, John Bauer, uh, sorry, uh, John French used to take his Vegemite sandwiches in the center <laughs> oh, console no. and he used to munch on them <laughs> down Conrod Strait when he got a little bit peckish. You're listening to the driver's seat for Kubota, building Australia. This is the driver's seat for Kubota. Together, we are building Australia. Welcome back to the driver's seat. We do it thanks to Kubota. For over 40 years, we've been making tomorrow matter. And together, we are building Australia. You listen to Matt and Steve live every Wednesday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Hang out with the lads live during the E-Series and get the app and have a listen. Time for this week's feature interview for Imar Insurance, the tradies mate called 1-3-Imar. And the lads caught up with former Supercars champion and two-time Bathurst winner, John Bow. John Bow, welcome to the driver's seat, Goes iRacing. Uh, g'day. Hi, guys. Jay Stevie, how you going, mate? Good, JV. How you going? I miss, I'm missing you. You know, like we, we every <laughs> few weeks we catch up at the at the track, usually with Touring Car Masters. And uh, i got to say, I'm missing our fun and frivolity, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's – um, and and to be honest, mate, I, we were thinking about you on the show here, I think it was last week, because being – stuck in what we're in at the moment and you know i mean i've known you since a kid and i've grown up with you i've learned so much from you and for and knowing you personally really well i know 
I guess, a little bit of how you tick and you really thrive on um, being with people and seeing people and interacting with people and going and doing functions. And that's, that's your thing. You love doing that where some people don't. Um, yeah. How are you going at the moment through all this? Because we know, you know, and, and it's been open that you've, you have suffered a little bit of, I guess, anxiety and a few things. And, and same with, you know, my daughter and a lot of other kids too. So how are you going yeah. through this current situation? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of holding my own. I'm not, you know, I mean, there's no, nothing much to do, unfortunately. So it's really boring. But I've been doing a bit of, bit of training, which I'd uh, backed off on, you know, because we only do, you know, short races in TCM, so you don't have to be an athlete like an Olympian. But um, I've been doing a bit of that. I find it's funny. I find that if I get up and go and do a bit of exercise, I it puts me in good stead for the day. And then if I don't, it really you know, makes me, I wouldn't say depressed, but it makes me bluish, you know. So, yeah, I um, it's, I mean, there are a lot worse people off than me. I understand that. But it is uh, it is a bit of a struggle because, you know, racing, as it is for you, it's been our whole life thing, you know. So that's what, that's what I love. You know, I love going to the track. I love talking to the people. I love driving the car. And I love just hanging out at the track. I'm never happier than when I'm at a racetrack. So sad, sad as it sounds, that's what I am. So, John, it's it's Matt McKeldon here, mate. Um, we, hey, you know, Matt, we're how all you going, mate? Good, mate. I'm very, very well, thank you. Uh, we sit and we are fans of this. We look at your Facebook. We know you're a fan uh, as well as an extremely accomplished driver. You're a fan. Um yeah, yeah. We love we love watching our racing live. Uh, we can't do that at the moment, and so we've got the Supercar E Series. Have you been watching it? Have you? And if you have, what have what have been your thoughts on it? Because we're blown away at how realistic it is. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, I I have to be a little bit uh, subjective here because it's not my era, really. You know, like I I didn't grow up with simulators or anything um it is realistic it's fantastic i have to say but it's at the end of the day it's not real so you know um whilst i do watch it because as you say nobody can we can't watch anything real i watch quite a lot of old grand prix stuff from the 70s and the 80s on youtube some supercar stuff on youtube there's a lot of a lot of things we can access but um yeah I, i like it's not my my gig really, you know. I, I it, what it does is shows how much people spend on their uh, on their simulator. That's I think what it proves <laughs> really, more than anything. What about the? Um, I mean, you've, and I mean, I'm sorry, I don't, no, I don't mean to knock it, you know. I, sure, sure. I know it serves a purpose and it keeps keeps people like fans of racing interested in what's going on. And I mean, obviously, the guys that are good at it are good at it. But, you know, there can be people that are good at it without actually being any good at racing. So, you know, yeah. And I vice know. versa. <laughs> yeah, 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 and vice versa, yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I quite like... It's interesting what you said, Steve, a minute ago before I came on. The uh, Will Brown said that the, the TCR cars are more difficult to drive. I, I imagine it would be too because they're a different... Uh, mousetrap, aren't they? They they're front drive, and they, you know, where all those guys have been driving V8s, which essentially behave the same way as they did 20 years ago, except possibly better now. 
But, you know, uh, a TCR car is probably a trip into the unknown to some degree. Have you driven a TCR car, fair? John? Is that something you'd, you'd, no, I uh, no. you'd no. love to get your, your hands around? No, not really. Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't mind having a driving one. I don't mind driving anything. But, sure. uh, you know, it doesn't... It's, uh, I think it's a really good category for the future. You know, the the, yep. the people that, that buy cars like that for the street, which is the majority now. Yeah. And I think it's a great idea, but I've never been a lover of front-wheel drive ever in my whole life. And, and to be honest, I've never raced the front-wheel drive cars. Oh, yes, I did. 1985, I raced a laser at Baskerville. <laughs> and how did you go? Did you win? 1985. And I did pretty good, yeah. I won, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you're actually you're a hundred percent win rate in front wheel drive cars. <laughs> Absolutely, and not likely to get a challenge. It's, uh, and you know what? It's a bit like me in HQ racing. I did one HQ race <laughs> with Ian Woodward back yeah. in the day up at Lakeside, and I won it, and I retired from there. <laughs> <laughs> I did one uh, Bathurst um, one hour race in an HQ. Same deal. I. Uh, I was on, I think I was on pole or second, and in the race, I've, it was like playing some sort of PlayStation game. The car's rolling in, in front of me and crashing into the <laughs> fence. Was like, anyway, the bloke rang me the next year and he said, do you want to come and do it again? I said, no, thanks. So I, <laughs> I recommended Craig Baird. <laughs> oh, there you go. Perfect. <laughs> so got, I'm, I'm interested, I'm interested in your... He got Baird to jump in. He got Beto to do it, and Beto said, what did you do this to me for? I thought we were friends. <laughs> so, John, I'm interested in your in your thoughts um, of global motorsport at the moment. We talk about when we're all going to come back, and, of course, we're all highly focused on supercars and TCR and, in your world, uh, Touring Car Masters, in my world, Trans Am. Um, when do yep. you think, from what you're hearing, seeing, reading, taking in, that we might see us all come back, but also internationally things like Formula One? Well, I'm not sure Formula One know quite what to do because, uh, you know, they're, they're obviously it's an international category. They go to various countries. I don't think we'll see any Formula One this year, although I, I wish we could. Wow. Um, with uh, supercars and the other categories, I think probably we'll get to race again soon. You know, supercars have the option of, of racing without a crowd and it being live on Fox. So that's sort of quite an incentive for them to do it. Yeah. So I think if they, if the government lifts some of these, you know, like 500 people in a, in a venue and all that sort of thing, which I think yep. they possibly will, if people keep paying attention to what they should be doing, We'll see racing probably in August, maybe, or, or possibly September. You know, hopefully we can all go to Bathurst and have a race. I think a lot of people now are actually way more aware than they were. I think nobody in the early days took it seriously. You know, they all thought, oh, this can't happen to us, but it did. So, yeah, I, I agree. have to say that. I agree. The government, I th- yeah. I think because we're an island, we we can we can actually control a lot of our own destiny here. So I'm sort of, of the, I'm of the opinion of four weeks. I think there's going to be the government. Uh, well, I'm hoping we'll start to to pull back some restrictions because I think there's going to be a bit of a community push for this because if we're still closed down in another four weeks and we're 
pray to God we're still getting zero cases here, one case there, one case a week, whatever. There's got to be a push, I think, to reopen the world. We've talked about yeah. NRL. It looks like they're going to start again at the end of November, at the end of uh, May. Uh, and then I yeah, think, well, they're, they're, know, the rebel, they're the rebels of the country, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, How good are they? They're NRL pushing. They're pushing good. forward. <laughs> so they, they we'll are see. the rebels I of, July. Of, of thought. Yeah, yeah, I think you're probably right. No, I think you know maybe we can. Our, you know, Stevie and myself and Touring Car Masters are supposed to race at Winton in June, early June. I mean, that's probably doubtful, I'd reckon. Uh, but, you know, hopefully we get some racing done this year. I like, uh, I was supposed to go to America and race this year with um, with my friend Joe, and that's all cancelled, of course. And I don't think America's going to see much real racing this year either because of the, the whole way the the pandemic's played out. It hasn't been done particularly well over there, has it? So, you know, you've got to give our, our government, and I'm not a political bloke, but you've got to give them their due. They've done a fairly good job of it. Hey, JB, just before we go quickly, who I know, as you just explained to us before, you're right into this uh, simulation and esports stuff. <laughs> um, who's your pick to win tonight? <laughs> well, I, I you got to... I mean, I... <laughs> I actually pushed the record on the Fox sport thing, so I will go down and have a look at it. And its I've got to say, it's very realistic. In fact, some of the blokes on there drive better than they do in real life. <laughs> You're right there. Well, Brody Kostecki's off P2 in qualifying. I so Will Powell's on P5. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, Will yeah, Powell's off P5. So, uh... dri- <laughs> I mean, Will Powell's a great driver, a lovely, lovely bloke too, but... He hasn't driven a supercar for a hundred years, you know. So uh, my 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 uh, pick. I mean, I know how much your mate Van Giz does on simulators. So I'd yeah. say I'd probably pick Van Giz. He's he's uh, he's a pretty hardcore racer on both both disciplines, isn't he? All right, John Bauer, we really do appreciate your time tonight uh, and joining us on the oh, driver's seat. Oh, yes, yes, what you, yes, you mate, take over, you, John. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, right. Sorry, uh, I, I meant to say this. So I want you to wish your your darling wife a uh, uh, happy birthday from myself, from Leslie, from you know anybody that in my world that knows her. She's a great girl. I'm not sure how she put up with you for this long, but anyway. Uh, thank that, you, mate. I will. Yeah. I will definitely pass that on. <laughs> I don't know either, John. All right, I John. Have no idea either. Thanks for your time tonight, mate. Thank you, mate. And give my regard, give my regards to Jet and Lacey. Eh? Thanks, buddy. Will do. John Bow, our feature interview. Thanks to Imar Insurance, the tradies, mate. Call 13IMAR or visit imar.com.au. This is the driver's seat across Australia for Kubota. Together, we're building Australia. This is the driver's seat for Kubota. Together, we are building Australia. Great to have your company on the driver's seat. Thanks to Kubota Building Australia. And you can listen to the driver's seat live throughout the BP Supercars All-Star E-Series. Matt and Steve will be live on the driver's seat app. Grab it from the App Store and Google Play. But right now, it's time to slide open the doors to the Classic Cars Corner. This is the Classic Cars Corner with Malcolm Owens for Kubota. Together, we are building Australia. G'day, legends. Hi, Matt. How's things? 
That's it. Honest. I'm going to go back and watch TV. G'day, mate. How are you? What's going on? What's news? Oh. Uh, how are you going in your social isolation uh, efforts there at uh, Casa Malcolm? Are you uh, keeping yourself busy or are you just literally sitting on the computer playing car stuff all day? Well, I'm working all day, but right now I'm sitting sitting here smashing back a few bourbons because I'm the only non-athlete on the show tonight, I think. You haven't seen us for a while, have you? <laughs> There's three non-athletes in the studio hey, right now. Let me give you... Hey, hey, sorry, Jason. Went for a walk today. Yeah, let me give I didn't bring in any pies. Yeah. You didn't bring in any pies. No. No, um, no bourbons, mate. no pies as yet. Uh, no, well, we have to drive home. As you're, you're in the, uh, you're on the couch still, obviously watching the uh, the Supercars E Series, where uh, we have to we have to drive back out of this. Stevie was almost late today because of he uh, he got caught in ISO traffic. There shouldn't be that on the way home. Um, but I want to talk about we we talk about uh, classic cars and this sort of thing. When I was a kid, uh, there was a, an horrendous habit by some of the kids in my neighbourhood to go around badging cars, flick a BMW badge off a car or something like that. And you've done some research this week on badges and and car monikers and what they mean. And I'm looking forward to this because I don't know what any of them mean. Yeah, it's really interesting because if you look at it, the uh, finishing touch to any car is really its emblem and. I think we'd love to think that the last thing that they put on in the factory is the emblem, give it a bit of a wipe down and feel pretty satisfied with what they've made. We know that behind the creation and evolution of the emblems, there's often tradition, folklore, mystery, and there's quite a bit of BS around there as well and misconceptions, which I think um, I think is a bit of fun because some of the stuff that um, people think are the right answers on the where a brand or where the logo or what's behind it has come is really interesting. Uh, if so, you start with something very obvious, oh, sorry, mate. Yep. Yeah, I was going to say. So, who are the obvious ones? Things like BMW, Ferrari, Porsche, that kind of stuff. What are your obvious ones? Well, Porsche and Ferrari, obviously, because they're the names of the people that have started and owned the companies. Uh, sometimes the brand is bigger than life, like Rolls Royce and Mercedes. We've got the big hood, on, hood ornaments sticking up there for all to see. Or more subtle, such as some of the plastic grills uh, logos on the grills of a Ford or a Toyota. So. Yeah, emblems, uh, I, I really think they're like the artist signature for car makers. So they aren't at all functional part of a car, but they do serve to let the world know who's responsible for that car and what it says about people. And if you look about it, you know, and particularly at a racetrack, you see people wearing the brands all the time, the shirts, ties, cufflinks, brands on the sports bags, mugs, the sunglasses. Um, obviously, you're not going to really get too many people walking around in uh, holes cufflinks but certainly Mercedes or Porsche <laughs> and the image of the brand reflects on us who we are how we identify ourselves so it's, it's pretty important and um, now one of the interesting things is the cheaper Mercedes that you buy the bigger the logo it is because it's more about buying the brand buying the logo than it is than buying, buying the car so you get up oh, to wow. the Maybach which doesn't have a doesn't have a, um, a logo on it at all so you literally, if you go and buy yourself like an A-class, you go and get some thumping large badge on the front, and if you buy a Maybach, you get nothing. Yeah, well, pretty much. Yeah, you remember the old C-series, C200, C180s? Yeah. Um, yep. They're really designed to come up against um, sort of the upmarket Fords and Holdens, and then they had a thumping great big badge. And then the, as you get further up into the range, the badge is um, almost recessed into the bonnet, laying down, you don't have that big three-pointed star. Yeah, right. Oh, so you know what? I'm, I will never look at another Mercedes the same again. Yeah, I didn't know that. I'll always be looking at the badges now. <clears throat> Not that I drive a yeah, Mercedes, so, so I'll have to, I have to look at them. What I get paid here, mate, I get a Toyota Corolla. That's about all I can afford. <laughs> or a pink Peugeot convertible. 
Um, Ink. It was red. It was red, pal. Faded in the Queensland sun. But <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about BMW um, because for a hundred years BMW logos remained largely unchanged. But it's probably the, the the one that has the most misconceptions about it. It really hasn't changed at all. So there's some crazy stuff done in the in the seventies. But amongst those. Um, the fans of the BMW Randall, Randall, R-O-U-N-D-E-L, as it's officially called, has the most controversy because it was interpreted in the 1920s that the opposing blue and white quarters of the logo were actually representative of an uh, aeroplane's propeller rotating against the blue sky. Yeah, which that's made right. Sense as the, yeah, which made sense as the brand's origins are in aircraft math. I thought that for, for many, many years. It's actually not right. The blue and white symbolised the Bavarian flag it's been uh, put up in, in inverse order, so it's been um, rotated around to avoid the Trademarks Act that prohibited them using national symbols uh, as company logos at the time. And I checked this today on the, um, the BMW Germany website, and that's correct. Wow. So the myth, of the, propeller, the myth of the propeller came about years after the company's logo was designed. There was an ad in 1929 which showed an aeroplane with the BMW logo in the rotating propeller. The ad was promoting um, an aircraft engine that BMW was just building, and they thought this would look great as part of their advertising. They were a young company and trying to fit into um, the automotive world, the aeroplane world, and, and to show its uh, expertise as a manufacturer and aircraft, aircraft constructor. So there you go. That's probably one of the uh, one of the biggest ones. I find that absolutely amazing, and it'll be interesting to see if we get any texts on the speckled text machine from the uh, BMW Car Club guys and girls, and seeing whether they uh, contest that. Because I, I have never, I have always thought it was the it was the aeroplane prop. Yeah, it's interesting. So did I for many years, but it's not, it's, not, it's actually not correct. Hey, Malcolm. Uh, another interesting. Yeah, yeah. I was, was going to say, mate, the rings for Audi. There's a there's a story behind that as well. Do you know what that is? You know, which part of the story do you want about the Audi? Um, uh, I heard it was something to do with with, their, with the previous owners that built the the company originally and then it all changed or something. That, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's, I have heard quite a few different stories and it's hard to know which one's r- real as we see a couple of cars on fire in the E-pits pit lane at Bathurst. <laughs> and no fire marshals. <laughs> so what's the Audi story? Well, the, the Audi story is that the four silver rings symbolise the um, merger of the four oldest car companies in Germany in 1932, which was Audi, DKW, Horsch and Wanderer. And actually, it has nothing to do with the Olympic rings, which is also a common misconception. So these four companies, they formed a, a, a business called the Auto Union, and that, actually Auto Union put out its own cars, and in 1985, the auto union name disappeared and the Audi name was used along with the four um, rings on the cars and it remains largely unchanged until this day. So that's the Audi story. Yeah, wow. Yeah, wow, okay. Any others? Yeah, um, Bugatti's an interesting one. Um, you may have seen Bugatti and it's got an EB at the top and you go, why is that? That's because the, um, the owner of the company originally or the founder of the company was Ettore Bugatti and he uh, put that um, logo on his cars. And the company closed in 1947 when Bugatti died as he had no heir, so there was no one to carry on his name. There were fewer than 8,000 Bugattis built, but the, the name was later revived by which car company? Anyone want to take a guess? 
I'm going to say, at the risk of being a smart aleck, I'm going to say VW. Correct. Hey, they they own own everything not else. just a good-looking face, fellas. <laughs> yeah, they own everything else. And, of course, they've built some of the most exotic cars ever made, like the Veyron. So as a tribute to Bugatti, they continue to use the same emblem, and it's probably the oldest unchanged emblem in automotive history. So there's a, there's a mm. fun fact for you. And a lot of history behind that, too. I like it. There is, absolutely, um, particularly so around give us, the, Just uh, as we wrap up, give us, the, uh, give us the Ferrari story very quickly. All right. Um, so many brands, as we said, can can um, trace their origins to the to the family name, like Ferrari, obviously. Um, the prancing horse icon is a really interesting one because um, uh, it's a direct reference to a similar logo that was painted on the aircraft of the Italian fighter race. I didn't know there was such a thing. And national hero Francesco Baracco, if I got that Baracco, if I got that right. So. Enzo met Baraka's mother following the pilot's untimely death, and in a strange twist of fate, she told him she should paint the, he should paint the emblem on his car to bring them good luck. So the horse was adopted. The yellow background was used to represent the town of Modena, um, where the Ferrari yep. factory is, yep. and also um, Enzo's birthplace. They couldn't use the emblem initially, as Alfa Romeo still technically owned the cars. So the Shield debuted in 1932 at the Spa 24 Hours, and in 1963, Ferrari started to use it on his cars, and it's pretty much remained unchanged. They just have the, wow. cha- uh, the shape variation, which is a shield or a rectangle. Thanks uh, for your info on the classic cars and those emblems uh, tonight. They, they meant a lot to us, and it's good to hear the, the history no behind what those badges mean, particularly those Mercs. The bigger the logo, yeah. the, br- the badge. The smaller the car. The cheaper the car. The cheaper the car. Did yeah, not yeah. know that. I, it, it's unlikely I'll ever yeah. own a Maybach, but I'll keep that in my top pocket. <laughs> for, uh, for, <laughs> when I do, I'll, I, when I buy one, I'll order one with a big badge on it. Yeah, that'd be good. All right, Malcolm, so we'll catch you next. Cheerio, so happy, happy birthday, Bree, and hi, Helen. And I'm out of here. Thanks very much. See you next week. <laughs> See you, Malcolm. See you, mate. That was the Classic Cars Corner. For Kubota. Building Australia. This is the driver's seat for Kubota. Together, we are building Australia. Welcome back to the driver's seat. We do it thanks to Kubota Building Australia. Now, all eyes were on Will Power as he joined the E-Series field as a wildcard this week. And on the show, we actually caught up with another motorsport superstar from Toowoomba in Queensland, Will Brown. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Now, mate, uh, are you missing it this week? Are you chanting at the bit? Do you want to be back in the simulator? Yeah, it's a bit of both. Um, I'm glad I didn't have to put in the 60 hours practice, but um, I'm also <laughs> wanting to race tonight. So, uh, no, I've been I've been doing a bit of practice with the boys, and uh, yeah, I'm sure you'll see us back in for a wild card or or a few things soon. Have you enjoyed? Did you enjoy the supercar more, or did you enjoy the TCR car? Because I know your supercar results were a whole lot better than what your TCR results have been. <laughs> well, I'm negative five in the TCR championship, so uh, negative five points. Um, we, uh, so... we, it was actually quite funny. We we got a uh, an incident and a judicial report come out from the uh, the the ARG series today, and I read it. And uh, Will and I spent a little bit of time behind the scenes on the simulators, having a bit of fun. And I took a screenshot of it and put it up on our group chat. And I said, he's been docked 15 points for some incident with somebody. I said, mate, you're going to be negative soon. And sure enough, he's negative five points in the championship now. <laughs> hey, mate, I the guy was asking thing. for it, though. 
<laughs> what did you do? Well, I put it out to my Twitch. A guy took me out twice, and I put it out to my Twitch if they think I should take him out. So I waited half a lap for him and took him out, rolled him over the fence. <laughs> the good thing is no one has to pay for the damage, which is uh, what we like to do. <laughs> hey, um, I've been watching your socials, Will. You know, we look at a lot of these supercar drivers and – they take photos of their bikes and their and their and their simulators and their kids and their coffees and their watches and this that and the other thing. But you seem to be spending a lot of time actually in the air. You you're sort of doing the whole pilot license thing. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's something I took on probably a year ago. Um, my brother's pilot, so got a plane during that. Um, and yeah, I've just uh, been been loving it ever since I've got it. Uh, We've done some pretty cool things. Being down with Matt Hall, who's the world champion um, for the Red Bull Air Racing, so done a bit of time with him as well. So uh, it's pretty enjoyable, actually, and just uh, another thing you have to learn, and uh, probably a bit more responsibility and uh, a bit more study, which I'm not used to and not good at. So uh, that was a bit of fun. <laughs> I, I can tell you, I've known you for a while now. I'm sort of, <laughs> I slowly classify myself as becoming a, a, a mate, and uh, <laughs> I can tell you from one mate to another, I won't be ever coming up in a plane with you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Every, everyone that knows me says that day, bro. I'm like, no, nah, I'm never coming up with you. <laughs> You'd get on well with the Kellys because I think they're pilots too, aren't they? Yeah, they've just got a better plane than me that I want. <laughs> well, Actually, you're you know, just starting out, mate. You know, you're just starting out. I think it's how old are you, 21? Yeah, yep. Not bad. Most people, most 21-year-olds turn around and say, oh, you know, I've got a Honda Civic in the garage or I might have a, a VB Commodore. Will Brown, got a plane. And a smart car. And a smart car. <laughs> got a plane and a smart car. <laughs> <laughs> hey, mate, I was telling, I was just saying um, recently that uh, with regard to that flying side of things, and we know that, you know, you and a lot of us love mucking around and, and stuff and don't realise that there is a serious side to it. But um, I said the same thing when Paul Morris got his licence. And I've known Paul Morris for a long, long time. And I can tell you one thing, that as, as much as everybody thinks that Paul Morris is just a guy that does what he wants, and, yeah, that's true, he does what he wants, and he's, he's great fun to be around, and, I, you know, Paul and I have a lot of respect for each other, I would trust him over anybody in a plane, in a chopper. I've been up with him in a chopper, and he is second to none to, from what I've seen, which is totally opposite to what you would think in real life. Yeah, I think it's quite good, obviously, uh, you know, when you hop in a plane, you know that, um, you know, it can be life or death if you don't know what you're doing. So another side of me switches on that uh, knows that you've got to know what you're doing and all that. But also, I think racing and, and, you know, all of that that we've done behind the scenes really helps in the plane because it just all transitions over. I know it's not the same, but, you know, you can make quick, smart decisions and all that sort of stuff. So I find that in the plane, you know, it, uh, it relates across and makes you a bit better pilot and doing all the aerobatics and stuff with Matt Hall helps out a lot. But like I say, I'm always, uh, I'm always uh, checking my mixtures, reaching all that because I don't want to go down in it. <laughs> uh, uh, no, you don't. Uh, mate, tell me the, the livery that was released during the weekend uh, or the week just prior for Penrite Racing, very much focused towards the Anzacs and, and obviously Anzac Day this coming weekend. Uh, it, it's a pity that you're not in the car racing that and, and showing it off. Yeah, it is a pity. But uh, one thing I like about Erebus, we're a very family-based uh, team. We, we get along very well and we're like a big family. Um, and we're very Australian, obviously. Everyone knows with Betty that... Uh, you know, she fought for the national anthem, which I think is a great thing to be sung before each uh, race. And, um, you know, a, a lot of that, like we're very Australian with things we do. So to run the Anzac livery is awesome. And uh, 
hopefully everyone gets around. Um, I know we're doing it up here. I'm not sure if it's nationally wide, but uh, 6 a.m. out the front of your driveway on Anzac Day and, uh, you know, pay your respects for that one minute or so. So, um, yeah, that'll be another cool thing. And, mate, when do we expect to see all of this circus get back on the grid, do you reckon? Do you think we'll be we'll make Winton or do you think we're more likely to be a July start or a late June start? Yeah, I'm not. The problem is none of us really know. I probably know about as, as much as you guys, but obviously the numbers are looking good lately. Um, I think it's going to all start up the way it closed down with maybe 500 people at an event. So hopefully the supercars can get running, but I think it'll be maybe the two... Uh, what would you call it, the support categories that get hurt because they probably can't run if, if that's the case um, when it first starts back up. But hopefully we'll get back running um, soon enough, obviously, if we all keep doing what we're meant to be doing and social distancing, it uh, seems to be working. Is it, uh, how is it up in Toowoomba? Have you got many cases of COVID up there? We've got a few cases of Corona beer, but um, I'm not sure about the. No, <laughs> I'm not sure about the uh, the uh, coronavirus. Yeah. Hey mate, yeah. obviously moving forward now, we've we know you've had massive, massive uh, success in the the TCRE series. Massive speed in that TCR car that you've got. Um, <laughs> the sarcasm. I don't think you can joke. You're slower than me. Come on. No, no, no. Hang on, hang on. I'm in front of you on the championship. Hang on a minute. <laughs> uh, but the, we're, we're moving on this week, actually tomorrow night, to uh, uh, to another car. So we're all running the, the Formula 3 car this week, which is sort of meant to be the, the S5000 version. Um, one Jet Johnson's going to be racing that one. How do you reckon you're going to go this week in, the, in an open wheeler compared to the TCR car? I reckon a bad start and then probably a canoe by about turn two or three. <laughs> so that'll be, that'll be pretty good. Now, I'm, I'm, hoping, I'm hoping to actually have a better run this week. I, sort of, I didn't get heaps of practice in last week. In qualified 18th, I thought I was going to have a better run than crash out, so I'm trying to take it a bit more serious, but uh, yeah, I just uh, I crashed around. So we'll see, we'll see. I'm going to try, I'm going to try and quali, see where I qualify, and then, and then we'll see what happens from there. You know the reason Jet Johnson's running in the open wheeler this weekend, this uh, tomorrow night? Because Steve's useless at it? Because Steve couldn't even fit into a digital one. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. We might leave it there. We might, we, we might, <laughs> we might leave it at that. Unless, of course, our last guest uh, sent out a lot of Cheerios uh, to a lot of people. Will, do you want to wish anyone happy birthday or, or anniversary? Just, just quietly, it's oh. Mrs. Johnson's birthday, uh, uh, Will. So they're just letting you Oh, know. yes. And the big happy four birthday. zero. Yes, yes. So, oh, the big uh, four zero. Yeah, she's the big four zero today. So Jeez, you're not meant to say that. Now, once it's out on once it's out on on uh, uh, social media, you're stuffed. That's it. Everybody knows that. Mm. Big <laughs> four zero over the big four, halfway home. You and, are Breezer. And, and we'll, I, I've just got to ask you a quick: Were you invited onto the cruise with these two blokes as well? They were going away cruising together. They're meant to be there now. Mate, Will doesn't want to come out with a bunch of forty year olds. <laughs> oh, I'll go cruising. Yeah, I love cruising. <laughs> and I was even talking you up earlier, Will. Like you were, once you go back and have a listen, I was saying that you were serious the other night when we were playing. You said, okay, boys, I've got to go. It's 10.30. I'm riding in the morning. So, like, we were talking about what everyone's doing and trying to keep sharp and that sort of thing. And, and you still are. You still are training, aren't you? Yeah, definitely. Um, it, it is probably a little bit harder to keep motivated in these times, but I love riding my bike. I obviously did that video as a bit of a joke in my full race kit mountain biking the other day, but um, we've got some awesome trails up here, some great guys to ride with that I'm mates with. So um, I'm enjoying just getting out on the bike and getting out in the fresh air in the mornings. 
All righty, Will Brown. Thank you for dry, uh, joining us on the driver's seat, Goes I Racing. Uh, will we see you back in a car next week? I suppose that's yeah, depends I'm how Dave Reynolds so. goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll see if he uh, if I end up in his car. But no, I think that they're doing a few um, a few wild cards. So obviously, I've driven the car nine, but I haven't done a wild card yet. So hoping to be able to do that. It hasn't been confirmed yet, but uh, that's that's the plan. So I'm still out here testing and still hoping to get a seat. All right, mate. Lovely to have you on the show, and, and nice to nice to uh, have you on. And best of luck for the future. Thanks for that. Good luck, Stevie. When I take you out tomorrow. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thanks, mate. <laughs> Before we go, it is time for our Bendix Breaks Big Moment. Now on the driver's seat, another Bendix Breaks Big Moment. Bendix, Australian technology for all-weather confident braking. If you want cleaner wheels, fit Bendix Breaks. Let's see what this week's Bendix Breaks Big Moment was. Controversy. What's happened? Controversy on the final lap. Jake Kostecki has had a coming together Brody. with uh, uh, Brody Kostecki has had a uh, big uh, big coming together with Scotty Mack and uh, Shane Van Giersbergen. Oddly, sort of with about a lap and a half to go, uh, SVG gave Brody the he moved over and let Brody get through. Stevie J, he did. Controversial was it strategic? Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent strategic. And because uh, Brody pitted later than Van Giersbergen, and he had more speed, so I reckon that. Uh, uh, Brody would have been let loose by Shane to really ruffle the feathers of Scotty Mack up the front. And uh, in the end, it um, I don't know if it worked or not. There was contact there at the last corner and uh, uh, Scotty ended up in the fence. Uh, Brody ended up winning. Scotty was P2 and Shane Van Gisbergen was P3. So interesting to see what's going to happen after this. Well, they're, they're doing lots of talking at the moment. We've, we've, uh, we're watching a replay here. Scotty Mack just go down into the final quarter. Brody Kostecki... Uh, right behind him, and just punches him, liberaches him in the rear, which sends Scotty Mack off into the fence, uh, and that's going to give him the win. You would have to think that Craig Baird, the driver standards officer, on the last corner will give him a penalty for that. You can't send someone on the final corner on the final lap. No, absolutely not. No, there'll be something done there, that's for sure. And uh, uh, I'll, I'll put it this way, if it was me being a... Uh, three years yes, drive through Steve drive through Johnson yeah yep. definitely would have uh, would have copped something from that so let's just wait and see but um, you know obviously at the moment the preliminary results are up we got to wait and see what happens after the fact because Stecky from McLaughlin Van Gisberg and Waters Heimgarten and Fabian Coulthard he had a good re- he had a good round uh, and uh, Randall in seventh so there were some good guys up the front there I think uh, Simona was in fourteenth mm. position she struggled a little bit Alex. Davison, he struggled as well. Jamie Wincup, once again, old seven-time championship, he P26. Had a he had a, he lost it on his own out of the cutting. Mm. He he made you know, he, he made a lot of mistakes. I know how he so. goes with a shopping trolley. <laughs> I, look, I reckon he'll be sacked. Craig Lowndes will be put in. <laughs> Controversial. Put your foot down with confidence. Bendix brakes, Australian technology for all weather confident braking. And that wraps up this week's edition of the driver's seat for Kubota. Together, we're building Australia. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.